What's going on, FA Nation and the family? Welcome back. We uh, This is the Fantasy Alarm 2-Minute Drill. I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by James Grande, recapping the biggest uh, fantasy news and relevant storylines from week two of the NFL season. Grande, last week we had pretty decent DFS weeks for week one, uh, but overall less than stellar season-long uh, performances. feel like this week it was the other way around. Would you agree? It was 100% the other way around. Um, you know, Let's face it, if, you know, every running back flopped, if you didn't have Nick Chubb um, or, you know, just like a safety net of Jeff, Jeff Wilson, uh, the quarterback position, you know, looked good to start with your chalk Derek Carr, your 4 p.m. slate. He looked good in the first half. Um, it was just a bad slate um, unless you were someone who played, you know, the Miami Baltimore game, uh, which I saw a bunch of people on Twitter today were you know, tuning their own horns, and I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, they were waddling. I saw waddling all over my timeline today. I saw the Mike Gesicki. Did you see the Mike Gesicki um, gritty, Dan? Yeah. I, I, imagine, was, uh, I imagine that's how you would gritty. It's if exactly you were to hit the gritty? If, if I were to gritty, I would only hope it could look, you know, that bad. He, he, like, I think if he slowed it down, it wouldn't have looked so bad. But, like, my man was moving, like, 3x speed like if we sped this podcast up and they like people just listen to us at 3x that's how his gritty looks so um at least he's making might making light of it on twitter but uh his gritty looked like i think our dfs lineups on uh on sunday uh let's kick off with the big news uh trey lance san francisco 49ers quarterback uh, i believe uh what 2021 first round pick finally given mm -hmm. the reins to the team uh, it, he, he was in my cash game lineup and there's nothing I can do about it. I'll, I'm going to, I took the losses yesterday, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to blame a guy for getting hurt. It's, it's obviously something that he, it's not what he goes out and aims to do. Uh, but he breaks his ankle. His season is done. This is a perfect opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo to come in, uh, on a seven and a half million dollar contract for a backup quarterback. He knows the offense. He's familiar with the players. He's got the chemistry. This is, if you're going to lose your starting quarterback to an injury, this is possibly the best situation that the 49ers can fall into in terms of just actual football for, outlook for the remainder of the year. And, you know, there, there, I feel like there are fewer questions that come with the fantasy value for every other player on San Francisco with the return of Jimmy Garoppolo as the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's definitely apparent because, with Trey Lance under center, I mean, there were touchdowns to be vultured, right? Trey Lance was going to steal our Jeff Wilson touchdowns. He was going to, and you know what? Granted, Garoppolo and Kyle Juszczyk scored touchdowns on the <laughs> on the first day that Trey Lance uh, injures his ankle. So, of course, I'm saying this and that happens. But typically, you know, it would have probably been Lance vulturing anything within the five um, just due to his athletic ability and ability to punch it in the end zone. Uh, but Garoppolo is a much better pocket passer from what we've seen. Uh, and I won't say much better. We Unfair to Trey Lance because he had there's a small sample on him um, at the NFL level thus far. So um, I won't say much better. But, um, yeah, I think with the weapons they have, um, fantasy value of all of them probably rise. Um, I guess my question to you, Dan, is like I think Trey Lance people had like QB one upside, not overall, but there's QB one upside, obviously with the, the passing rushing ability. Like, do you, 
How do you view Garoppolo? Like, is he a top 20 QB rest of season? Is he a top 50? Because with a healthy Kittle, I mean, it, it's a really good offense, man. Like, obviously, they lost Elijah Mitchell, um, but there's weapons everywhere for this guy. So, like, what do you think, conversely, like, what do you think Garoppolo is rest of season? Because uh, we know Lance is out for the remainder of the year. I think he's going to be a fringe uh, QB one most weeks. I don't think he's he's probably not top ten. I think he could be top fifteen. He's easily top twenty for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it took when he first went to San Francisco. It did take him a little longer than I would say uh, was preferred for him to pick up Shanahan's offense. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I felt like there were some struggles. But either way, <clears throat> you know, he he has chemistry. There's plenty of experience. There's plenty of motivation for him too. I mean, everyone's talked about uh, the, the contract motivation for Lamar Jackson to go out and have an MVP season and really get the bag in the offseason. Jimmy Garoppolo is in basically a similar situation. Now, he's not probably going to get the contract that Lamar right. gets, but he's only making $7.5 million this year on a one-year contract. He is still young enough and, and well within his prime to help a team next year, maybe a team within the division like Seattle where he could – sign with them in the offseason and get two opportunities to stick it to San Francisco uh, this <laughs> season. Um, so spicy, spicy think, right there. I think for fantasy, he's I think the floor is top 15, but I also don't think the ceiling is necessarily too great. It's a good bump for George Kittle when he is healthy. Yep. Uh, we've seen what these two can do when Kittle is healthy. Um, I, I, I don't think it really impacts Debo too much because I think whoever you put in nope. quarterback – they're going to use Debo as a running back at times just because of the incentives in his contract. It's a plus for Brandon Ayuk. Um, Jeff yep. Wilson, I don't think it really impacts him too much as the injuries to uh, Elijah Mitchell. And before we started recording, you know, it sounds like they're going to be without Tyrion Davis-Price for a couple weeks as well. So overall, I think it's uh, – for fantasy, it's it's perfectly fine. It's it's a good safety net to have Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and honestly, I, I I would feel a little bit better about it uh, just because there was so much uncertainty with Trey Lance, at quarterback, there's less uncertainty with uh, Jimmy G. I think I think you're ranking him a little higher than I would. Um, I'm not totally against him being a top 20 quarterback, but like given the Kyle Shanahan run heavy scheme that we see, like even on a day that Jeff Wilson looked really good, TDP had 14 carries before the ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Like they ran 42 times. Um, and I think that they're good enough to get out to leads. And I get it with Seattle. I, I think they're good enough offensively to get out to leads and not need Jimmy Garoppolo to throw 30 plus times, kind of like it was in Seattle. So I would say closer to 20 for me than a fringe QB one. Obviously the weapons and the talent around him, you know, allow, I think we'll see QB1 finishes, but I think we'll see more QB2 finishes than QB1 finishes. You make a good point because they don't, given the talent that's around him, they don't need to put the game nope. on his shoulders. But I also think that there will be situations where he wants the game to sure. be on his shoulders because he's a decent game manager sure. as far as it goes. And he is essentially playing for a contract. Like this is his audition to a bunch of other teams in the NFL uh, to say, hey, you know, I can everyone knows he can be a starting quarterback in this league. Um, San Francisco made a brilliant decision to give him a, a decent contract as a backup. Right. But uh, let's turn our attention to the running back position. You and I were talking before we started recording. It's been a very weird start to the year for 
starting running backs, especially, you know, if if we were to pull up a, a DraftKings or a FanDuel player pool, it's been a weird start for those upper echelon running backs. Uh, right. Christian McCaffrey, another decent week, uh, relatively good floor, but we haven't seen the explosive, you know, right. six to seven catch game, over 25 fantasy points. You know, we're seeing Austin Eckler very – we saw this last year with Eckler too, and it was it was weird usage to start the year. We're seeing it again this year. He did have nine catches on Thursday, but that was largely game script dependent yep. against the Chiefs. Um, just scrolling down, uh, Jonathan Taylor, very, very bad performance, but that whole Colts team was just atrocious. Yep. Uh, basically, it's been more worthwhile to spend up at wide receiver in the early rounds and yep. even in DFS. Do we see this trend continue over the next four weeks to where we should maybe be paying under 8K or even – in the below 7,500 on DraftKings for running backs because the the top tier guys, the most expensive options, they it, it's been rough. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been rough. I mean, to your point, Christian McCaffrey just being okay going into the Monday Night Football games as we record this, uh, he was RB5 this week. And you he had an okay game. Like, there was nothing like, wow, Christian McCaffrey was just so good. Like, he wasn't. Uh, the Giants, like, had a safety on him, had their safety on him the whole game, and he really couldn't get anything going. Um, there has been, Dan, I'm just looking through it currently, um, and that could change. Actually, no, it can't. So as of, we're through two weeks, and this cannot change based on Monday's outcome. There is one running back, two running backs right now that have top 12 finishes Um both week one and week two. And you would never, three, you know what? Three. DeAndre Swift is one. You would never guess the other two. Uh, Top 12 finishes. Okay. You would guess because you're super smart. So, Clyde Edwards <laughs> Lair and uh, James third. Robinson. And James Robinson. The three guys that everyone expected, right? DeAndre Swift, probably expected. But Clyde Edwards Alaire and James Robinson are the other two with top 12 finishes so far. Like, that's how bad the, the position has been as a whole. It's been inconsistent. <laughs> to your point, Eckler, um, they mentioned that he was going to play more than 55% of snaps. That's what they have come out and said, at least to start the year. So um, they're, he's clearly on a pitch count. But, like, that's kind of how the running back position has approached these days. So, yes, I'm, I'm in full agreement. I think there are going to be situations like Nick Chubb against the Jets that you can ignore um, in cash and in tournaments. And and those are the spots that you take a look at or Aaron Jones against the Bears, right? Like we're going to have matchups where we spend up at running back. But when you got, you got guys like Cooper Cup, who's getting into the end zone every single game. And when you have guys like Justin Jefferson, who are scoring every single game and getting you 100 yards and getting you the bonus without almost, it's almost a guarantee. Yes. The answer is yes to your question. We are... Right now, in a situation where running, where receivers are breaking slates, Tyreek Hill yesterday, Jalen Waddle, um, they broke every single tournament. They were in every winning lineup. Um, so yeah, I think right now it is looking like in seasonal. If you spent up at receiver, if that's where your draft capital went, you are having a very good start. And in DFS as well, if you're if you are you know your ROI is based on what you're spending up on running back or receiver. Uh, right now, it's been a receiver-dominant position, um, and it it fixes to be the same because just how volatile every running back room is right now. Let's jump out to the AFC West. It is arguably the most exciting division in the NFL in terms of just 
offensive firepower. <clears throat> uh, two teams in particular, the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos, 0-2 and 1-1 and respectively. Haven't seen explosive offensive prowess. Uh, the Raiders have posted what looks like 42 points through two games. Uh, the Seahawks have scored 16 points in each of their two games. Both rookie head... Uh, the, Broncos. Actually, the Broncos. The Broncos. Yes, thank you. Uh, not going to call Josh McDaniels a rookie head coach because he's done this before. However, his first year and his first two games with the Raiders, Nathaniel Hackett, his first two games with the Broncos, the offenses haven't looked great. Um, a lot of concerns. Russell Wilson has not looked good. Does seem like he's in a similar situation where his head coach just doesn't know how to use him properly. Also, I was stunned when I was – I didn't really pay attention to the 4 o'clock games yesterday, but I was checking box scores. He was 4 for 15 at one point, getting booed by Broncos fans. Uh, Raider Nation is now 0-2, uh, and their fans are allegedly assaulting Kyler Murray when he's <laughs> on the field. Uh, which team do you think has a better chance of pulling it out? And who do you feel better about in fantasy? Because Devontae Adams' family was in town to watch him play yesterday, and he only had two catches, but he did have a touchdown early on. Um, Who do I feel better about in fantasy? I mean, I think it's Las Vegas. Um, I feel better about Denver as a whole. I think Denver has a better defense than um, Las Vegas, and they'll always have that elevation at you know, in home games too, that teams are going to have to come in and prepare for. Um, I think they'll figure it out. I kind of like the Vegas passing game specifically. Like Josh Jacobs is looks horrible. Um, and there's really no upside, but the passing game in Vegas is so interesting, especially if Renfro is going to miss any time he got on that from possible concussion there at the end of the game. Um, and it was interesting, uh, Dan 58 snaps, went to Mac Hollins in this game, 41 routes run. Uh, he was seemingly the wide receiver two in this game. Uh, he had a lot, he was peppered with targets. I think he had uh, eight targets, which was second on the team behind Renfro. Um, so if Renfro is going to be out, I think Mac Hollins could be like a super deep league stash. I know again, contesting like we're, we're, we're coming off a game where Devonte Adams had two catches for 12 yards. So he's going to be peppered with targets. We know Darren Waller, another, you know, solid game in terms of targets and routes and all that. Uh, but Matt Collins, something to keep your eye on. I don't think they're going to be very good long term. The the Raiders, especially after that collapse yesterday, I mean, 20 to nothing at half. And it was the the story of week two was the comeback or, you know, vice versa, the collapse. Um, so I like Vegas passing attack. Um, Denver's offense just looks so lost with with Hackett um, under, you know, as as the leader, it, it'll be interesting if Jerry Judy misses any time. It doesn't sound like he will with the like rib injury or whatever they have diagnosed. Um, but we saw when Judy went out, Cortland Sutton had an absolute monster game. So if Jerry Judy is to miss any time, um, I mean, Cortland Sutton is going to probably be wide receiver one territory. I think he would safely be in like that top 15 of receivers. Um, but you... They use three tight ends. Alberto goes after a big week one, zero catches on two targets. They use three tight ends. Soybert, um, very tough to trust Denver. And they're still splitting carries, dude. Like, it's just so infuriating. Like, John T. Williams, 15 carries. Mevin Gordon, 10. Um, so I like Vegas offense better. I think Denver as a team will figure it out. 
and they and they have the win that you know Vegas does not. So uh, Denver as a team, I think, is better long term. I like the Vegas passing attack better long term. Uh, I don't think we'd be doing our listeners justice if we didn't talk about yesterday's shootout between the Dolphins and Ravens. Nope. Plenty to take away. Uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle finish as the top two wide receivers on the slate. Yep. Tua was absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, if, if you invested heavily in the Miami offense, specifically the Tua and Tyree Kill connection through the first two weeks, I was fortunate to take Tyree Kill and the Scott Fishbowl. So I'm happy to do that. <laughs> Um, but what are your biggest takeaways from this game? Because honestly, I feel like there's so much to talk about in terms of just the overall production, how to feel about certain players on both sides going forward. I was mostly, as great as the offense was, I was honestly pretty concerned about the Miami backfield, especially after Chase Edmonds led the team with 12 carries in week one, only had five carries in week two. Dude. Raheem Moster got most of the run, uh, 11 carries for 51 yards, three catches for 28 yards. Is this... I, I was very confident that this was going to be Chase Edmonds' backfield. Felt yep. great about it in week one. Obviously, I am less optimistic about that now. Yeah, I mean, if you we could just go right there because I think that's probably a talking point for everybody. Um, so how the snaps broke down in week two, Mostert played 39 snaps, Edmonds played 36. Okay, so Mostert actually played more. Edmonds played one more passing down. He 25 of his 36 snaps, he ran routes where Mostert ran 24. Uh, Mostert obviously dominated the rushing attempts, 11 to five. Um, both of them blocked about the same amount of times. So like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely concerning. Um, but here we are again in another backfield that we thought Chase Edmonds was going to be the leader. Look what happened last year with James Conner. You and I talked about it extensively last year about the Arizona backfield. Well, Chase Edmonds is the guy, right? No, I mean, James, James Conner scoring touchdowns, right? But Chase Edmonds is the guy, right? But James Conner keeps scoring touchdowns, right? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, like, if this is going to keep happening to Chase Edmonds, we just have to accept who he is. He's a guy who is very good in the passing game, um, and he is good on the ground. But apparently teams just don't believe in him as the number one back. So, um, you know, through two weeks, the the Chase Edmonds investors are not very happy. I was one, so I'm not very happy. Um, but obviously Mostert is someone very intriguing on the waiver wire, I'd say, uh, especially, you know, three receptions, 28 yards to go along with 51 on the ground is, is super appealing. Um, I guess the next question is like, how, I, I'm not going to say how repeatable is to his performance because it's probably not. Um, but when you have Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, I guess anything is possible. That's what Kevin Garnett taught us. Like how many... Is Tua? Do you believe Tua is a like QB one rest of season? I guess that's the question. Like he looked very good in the second half specifically. He was very bad in the first half, made a couple bad throws, but he was super awesome in the second half. I mean, 469 yards, nice six touchdowns. Is he is he someone you could like look at as a QB one rest of season? Yes. Um, if you think back to when we were all like, this was like two or three months ago when fantasy football draft prep is, is, you know, you're starting to get the ball rolling with that. Remember how everyone, it seemed would, would say that, you know, the Miami dolphins have an offense that can support two top 12 wide receivers, but if you're yep. subscribing to that theory, then why aren't you also ranking Tua Tungo Vailoa as a QB one? Right. hundred percent. I was of the mindset that I thought that they could support one wide receiver one. And then the other one would be 
you know, maybe like a one a one B or just, they're just a clear wide receiver two. That's still perfectly fine, but it's clear right. that this is an offense that can support both. Right. However, I do have concerns about some matchups that they have coming up. You know, they have the bills next week. Right. The Bengals defense is, I just feel is, is playing down to the level of their opponents. Agreed. With that said, it could be a similar shootout to what we saw. So I am concerned next week, but then I do have my concerns about their schedule later in the year. You know, because when you get to like the middle of November, they have the Browns, and then two weeks after that, they have the 49ers, the Chargers, the Bills. That stretches all three road games. Murderers row. Uh, on Christmas, they have the Packers, and then on New Year's, they're in New England against the Patriots, and we just saw Dude. a relatively low scoring affair. So I think that you can ride this high with Miami's offense for the regular season. Maybe if Tua's stock keeps rising, you potentially look to deal him mm. for a just a, a litany of pretty awful matchups are coming. I mean, you're right. In San Francisco, in Los Angeles Chargers, in Buffalo versus Packers, that's your playoff schedule. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think Tua can be a, a quarterback one. Um, because he can move too. Like, let's not forget he, you know, he has some, he has some wheels. He can, he can run a little bit. Um, my biggest knock on Tua is that, and and ultimately he's going to pr- prove me wrong if he keeps putting up the numbers. But if you just look at a lot of his throws, they tend to come up short. Receivers right. have to come back to the ball to get right. it. And he's lucky he has ridiculous playmakers like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that are just going to make the plays themselves and and make Tua look great. I mean, I think, but that can't go against him unless those guys get hurt. That's not, that's something that he is going to have in his back pocket week in, week out. I mean, even Gasicki, who, you know, we love to hate on, he is super athletic as a tight end. Like he has guys that can make plays everywhere. So um, I'm with you. I think he can be a QB one, but I I think you bring up an absolutely tremendous point about um, late season acquisition or another quarterback we should be looking at uh, in place of Tua um, because I, I don't think that's a uh, an option or a playoff option. I Dan, I want to get your take on this. Do we think, um, I mean, you know, we're talking about Sunday slate, but we could just backdate it to Thursday real quick um, with the Justin Herbert stuff. Like, is there anybody... Like he's day to day. Is there like a waiver wire pickup? Like is Garoppolo, I guess the is he the pickup right now? Um off the waiver wire? I mean, I'm I'm sure Tua's like available in some places, but like if you have Justin Herbert or Trey Lance, right? Like is Garoppolo like just like the is he the waiver wire pickup at quarterback? I would assume so. I don't have waiver wire numbers in front of me right um, now. I'm trying to pull him up. I'm gonna pull him up right now. Um Let's go available. This is per ES. How, how heavily owned would be would Goff be? I think Goff would. Pro- I think Goff is probably the guy, right? Like, dude, Jared Goff is like. I mean, I don't hate what he's doing. I do have concerns about the passing volume for him sometimes. Well, we. I, I guess it's going to depend. Um, so Jared Goff in ESPN leagues is seven percent <laughs> rostered. That's, that's so if you have Justin that. Herbert, I mean, dude, if you have Justin Herbert or and he let's say he misses a game or, you know, you just lost Trey Lance. Jared Goff, I'm picking up over Jimmy Garoppolo, probably in nine of ten leagues, especially because um, Detroit's defense 
uh, if you watched Hard Knocks, it was a lot of fun to see the banter between, like, just on both sides of the ball. The defense, they seem excited about the future of it, but they're still putting pieces of that together. Right. So the defense is going to keep them in games more often than not just because opponents are going to score on them. Um, I'm looking at ESPN's roster ship numbers. Uh, I was looking at CBS and I saw that Tua was available in like 80% of leagues. Um, so Tua Tungavailoa is 64% rostered in ESPN leagues. So like there's a chance that you could get them. Um, but I think like if you're looking at guys sub like 40%, right? It's probably Jared um, Goff, dude. It's probably Jared Goff. Uh, I ha- I haven't seen much from Baker Mayfield. I was a Mayfield apologist coming into this oh. year just because he played hurt last year and he's just done nothing for the Panthers. He is terrible. Oh, he is terrible. Um, not overly interested in Daniel. It's it's Jared Goff for me as the guy. Yep. I just feel like the floor saves. If you can maybe get Tua or Carson Wentz, I can't believe I'm recommending Carson Wentz. Uh, um, but hey, when the offense is looking as decent as Washington's is. Right. Rally behind it a little bit and say you can pick up Wentz with a little confidence. Yeah, just a, just a, a little pinch, a little pinch of confidence. Not too much, though. Uh, who else are you liking on the waiver wire this week? I feel like Curtis Samuel at this point has to be a must-add. We've always Number one. About, yeah, we've always heard about, about how offenses love him from his time in Carolina to where he's at now with Washington. If he's healthy, he's great. He's arguably becoming a, a must-start flex yep. option at worst. Uh, but he had seven catches on nine targets for 78 yards with a touchdown. They love to get him the ball in the running game as well. Uh, he had one carry for er, uh, 21 yards, touched the ball for four carries in week one. If he can stay healthy, he's he's got to be in your lineup if you can go get him. Do you know, um, so Terry McLaurin played 66 offensive snaps. Uh, Curtis Samuel played 66 offensive snaps. Terry McLaurin ran 49 routes. Curtis Samuel ran 49 routes. So, I mean, if they're just going to keep the guy on the field, if they're just going to run three receiver sets, hard not to like Curtis Samuel. And I think he is probably the number one waiver wire ad. I mean, obviously, if Jeff Wilson didn't go last week for whatever reason, if he's still available in your league – He's right there. Um, Corey Davis had another good week. Um, How interested are you in Julio Jones with the Mike Evans one-game suspension looming? We don't even know if Julio Jones is going to be healthy. He, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, al- he's already hurt. Yeah. So like, it, it took one game where he came out seemingly unscathed, right? Like, there was no reports of Julio Jones being hurt. And then every single member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was hurt on one on the same practice day. Practice report comes out Wednesday, nobody practicing. And then it's like, oh, well, is this just like them looking out for Julio because he's oft injured? Or is this, you know, something to be concerned about? Um, and it's clearly something to be concerned about. Um, you know who I really like? And it was something I'm going to go right back to the Washington offense. And I took a lot of Logan <clears throat> Thomas in this offseason because as we're getting closer to draft season, there's no reports. Logan Thomas is going to miss any time. It's like Logan Thomas is on the practice field. Logan Thomas might return. This is like the most miraculous ACL recovery ever. And then he goes out there and plays 54 snaps, which is the second most behind Samuel and Thomas played more than Gibson played more than everyone else. Um, 
I mean, I guess Jahan Dotson played the most snaps, but um, Logan Thomas scores. Like, I think this passing offense is going to be pretty good, uh, especially until at least until Brian Robinson seemingly returns and maybe they'll turn to the running game a little bit more. Um, but if they're going to trail in games, I think Logan Thomas is a really, really good ad. Uh, he was a top, what, tight end two years, two years ago. He was a top, he was a tight end one. Yep. Last half of the year, he was like a top five tight end. Um, Logan Thomas, yeah, he just got to stay healthy. Right. Uh, but only 19% rostered right now. Uh, really, really, really love Logan Thomas. I prioritize him because what another position that just isn't really producing, like running back, tight end, the two positions that are really not getting um, much production. Like Gerald Everett is really appealing at tight end on the waiver wire. Logan Thomas is really appearing for, uh, appealing on the waiver wire. I would say those are your two top priorities, probably two of the most prioritized players on the whole board. Keenan Allen, who knows what his return is going to look like. Gerald Everett clearly uh, seriously involved in that in that Chargers offense. So um, amongst all the other guys we mentioned, I think those two tight ends are extremely, extremely appealing. All right, Grande. Well, it was an eventful week. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you, especially, and congratulations, because you are getting married this weekend, and I think everybody in the FA Nation deserves to know that. Appreciate that, Dan. Uh, it's going to be a big week, and, and so next week I won't be here, unfortunately, because, you know, we'll, we'll be celebrating a little bit uh, post-wedding, but um, as long as as long as my fiancé doesn't walk off the altar— walk off the altar before uh, we say our I do's. Uh, I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the kind words and uh, look forward to being back for uh, post week four, Dan. All right. Well, congrats to you, man. And best of luck to the FA nation in week three.